Hello, I'm Owen. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad you're listening. For more information on all that's going on at Wellspring, please visit www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. This morning and turn to First uh, First Thessalonians. Jim Jim's out of town this uh, this morning. He's not here, so we won't have the verses up. So get your Bibles out. Have your Bibles ready. By the way, we're thankful for uh, for the work that he did and keeping the live stream going uh, through all that. So thank the Lord for thank the Lord for that. Thank Jim for that work. In First Thessalonians. We're going to, as we've been kind of doing a, an overview, if you will, of the uh, epistles, the letters of, that Paul wrote to the churches, and this morning actually we're covering that seventh church, the seventh Gentile church, uh, Thessalonians, and you can read, uh, go back and read in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 17, uh, where, where this church was founded, and um, it's interesting to read all those things and to find that this church really was built on, on persecution. I mean, it was built on the gospel of Jesus Christ, but it was, it was persecution right, right from the beginning. As Paul left Philippi, he went to Thessalonica, and for three weeks, for three Sabbaths, actually, in the synagogue of the Jews there, he reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, uh, preaching Jesus Christ, that he, he must die, that he must suffer, that he, he must be buried and, and rise again. And, and the Bible tells us there that many, miraculously, I'm always amazed, you know, when someone is, is born again. That's the greatest miracle that we could ever experience is new life. Greatest miracle. And to think that they, he, he goes into this area that didn't know the gospel and and in just three weeks of preaching the bible says that a that a great multitude of greeks and chief women not a few the bible says believed the gospel and and were and were saved and born again and and all of this was done under affliction under persecution under opposition and um they had those that were trying to stir up trouble had accused Paul of going against Caesar, uh, accusing him that he preached that there was another king, and his name was Jesus. And aren't you thankful that there is another king, and his name is Jesus? But uh, he, uh, he leaves Thessalonica, Paul does, and, and he writes back a letter confirming these new converts in their faith and in the gospel and, and in their walk uh, with Jesus Christ. So you're in First Thessalonians and in chapter chapter one and verse two. There's Paul, there's multiple prayers actually in this uh, letter that you'll find that Paul's telling them of what he's praying for them about. But he says that he, he in his prayers that he he give, we give thanks verse two to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father.
Father. He said, hey, as we're praying for you and thanking God for you, remembering how the gospel, how that when we came and preached to you that the gospel had worked in your life. He, he says in chapter 2, we'll be bouncing around a little bit in, in 1 Thessalonians, but he says in chapter 2 and verse 19, uh, for what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing, are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? For ye are glory and joy. Paul said, hey, my crown of rejoicing is, uh, is, is, is that you are, you are born again. That you've received Christ. He says, it brings me great joy to know that one day, if I don't see you again down here, that one day in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ, I will see you. Eternally, he said, this brought me great joy. Let me say this, that as he preached the gospel and as they received it, they received it and heard it. Um, they had a lot of affliction, a lot of trouble in this church. He says that in verse, verse 6 of chapter 1. He says, And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost. I, I always like to... To see that where the affliction and joy or trouble and joy or tribulation and joy is in the same, same verse and in the same context. Because there's affliction and because there's tribulation and because there's troubles and temptations uh, doesn't mean that we can't have joy. We can have joy from the Holy Spirit, from the Holy Ghost, even in these troubles. And he goes on to say in verse 7. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 7. So that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word. And that's, that's where our faith is to be anyhow, isn't it? It's to God word. That's what our faith is in, is in him and in his word is spread abroad so that we need not speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you. How you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for the Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. <laughs> he said, hey, when you heard the gospel, when you heard the gospel, you received it. And now, these folks that had never heard the gospel, in just a short amount of time, the, these new believers that had heard the gospel and had received it, it had changed them so much that now they are the example of preaching the gospel, of spreading the gospel, of telling others the good news of Jesus Christ. There's just something about when you experience the good, the good news, when you experience salvation, that you want to tell others about it. That there, this is just, this is just too, it's, it's out of an overflow of, of God's spirit and God's presence in us. He says, you are uh, an example of preaching the gospel and sending it out and spreading it. By the way, I do believe that this is what we're called to do as a church. Collectively, together, we are to spread the gospel. We are to preach the gospel. If we've received it, then we are debtors to give it away. If we've accepted, if we've received it, then this is something that he's given to us to give to others, to spread, to do. And he says here in verse 9, he says, How that you turn to God from Idols. I like correlating, and I mentioned this not too long ago, uh, verses 9 and 10 with verses 3, where he says, uh, he says, remembering your work of faith. Your work of faith. You know, faith works. And you know what faith will do? It'll cause us to turn. It'll cause us to go a different direction. There's a work of faith, and I think this is a great example of repentance. Of how that we turn from whatever it is that we're following, whatever it is that we're trusting in, and we turn to God. We turn from the idols. We turn from our uh, self-righteousness. We turn from whatever it is that we're trusting in. And we turn 
to him. And he says, in your labor of love. Remember that in verse 3? Your labor of love. And he says how the, you serve the living and true God. You know how we're to serve the living and true God? Out of love. That's the motive. And he says, in your patience of hope. Your patience of hope in verse 3. And you correlate that with in verse 10 where he says, to wait for his son from heaven. You know what the next big event is for us as the church? Is the Lord's coming back. We're waiting for that. Meaning we are anticipating it. We believe it's going to happen. We're looking forward to this. uh, The return of Jesus Christ. We're looking forward to the the resurrection of the church. The rapture of the church. This is is coming. And we as God's people, we are looking for this. And, and, And really in 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians... This is a kind of a theme of the return of Jesus Christ. And one of the reasons that this uh, may have been written so much about to them is, remember, this is a persecuted church. These folks are even given their lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he, he reminds them, he reminds them of their future hope. And, and I think it's good for us to remember this on a daily basis, that the Lord's coming back. That no matter what it is that we're going through here and now, that, won't, that we think is trouble or trials or tribulations, uh, that He won't take care of once we see Him. Once we see the Lord Jesus Christ, once He returns, all of that's going to be uh, forgotten. It won't be remembered anymore. Look at, look at chapter 2 and verse 11. Chapter 2 and verse 11. He says, As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that ye should walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. The word works. As, as we're called to preach the gospel and spread the gospel throughout our, our country, throughout our community, and throughout the world, you know what we can trust and believe? That the word of God works. And those that hear it and those that receive it, uh, it will change their lives. It's not us that has to do that work. Our work is just to to get it out there, to put the seed out. But when it finds good ground, it will change an individual's heart and life. It says that they heard the word and that they received it. Uh, They took the word of God to heart. They believed it. This seed that we talked about the other day, it found good ground. And when the word finds good ground, when it finds good ground in your heart, it will, this is truth, it will bring forth fruit. There will be results of it by hearing God's word and believing it. Contrast what he says here about these believers at Thessalonica that heard the word and received it and how it changed them and worked in their lives to those of the children of Israel in the wilderness where in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2 it says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached unto you, uh, the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Not being mixed with faith to them that heard it. You know, there is a difference between hearing the word and receiving it. You can hear it, and that necessarily won't change your life. But boy, when you hear it and believe it, or you hear it and receive it, when the word finds good ground in your heart. In in Matthew chapter 13, where Jesus is telling the parable of the sower and the seed, and the some fell by the wayside in stony places and, and choked out by the thorns, and some 
fell on good ground. At the end of this parable, Jesus says this in Matthew 13 and verse 9. uh, Who hath ears to hear? Let them hear. Let him hear. So, in other words, if you have ears to hear, listen to the Word of God. Hear it. Receive it. Um, When it's being preached, when it's being taught, when you're going after it and seeking it, uh, we're not just... We're not just hearing it. We're wanting it to take root and affect us and affect our hearts. And it will when it finds that good ground. Not dull of hearing, not unskillful in the word, but, but a heart that's seeking it and wanting it. On Wednesday night, we, we talked about uh, and taught on temptation. And, and Jesus, when he was tempted in the wilderness... He said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. How important the spiritual food is to us. How important God's word is to us. As Christ was being tempted, he left us an example. And you know what he would say to fight the the tempter? It is written. It is written. And God's word has a great source of power. In times of temptation. It has a great source of power in times of testing, in times of trouble. And, and, and Paul says this is the hope for that church at Thessalonica who was going through troubles and trials that they had heard the word and that they received it. And now that they're growing as a result of, as a result of this. In verse 12 that we just read in, in 1 Thessalonians too, he, he mentioned that they walk worthy. That they walk worthy. And as we've been studying these uh, epistles, these letters that Paul writes to the churches, uh, trying to point out some, some of the things that Paul uses throughout all of the letters. And one of the things that he does, uh, uh, does in, in every single of the letters that he writes to the churches is he uses this word picture of our walk, our walk, and, and that being our, our Christian life and our relationship with Christ. Actually, in every one of those letters, he mentions our walk several, several times. I'll give you some examples. In, in Romans 13 and verse 13, he says, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting, and in drunkenness, not in chambering, and in wantonness, not in strife, and in envying. He said, hey, this is the way that God's people are supposed to walk. Not this way, but this way. He says in Corinthians, for we walk by faith, not by sight. There's another. This is the way that if we call ourselves Christians, if we call ourselves God's people, we're born again, we're saved, then we walk this way by faith, not this way by sight, right? He says in Galatians uh, chapter 5 and verse 6, Let this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Another way, walk this way. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the, in the filling of God's presence and His direction and His leading. In Ephesians, he mentions it. Actually, Ephesians, there's a lot about our walk in Ephesians. But he says, uh, Ephesians 2.10, For we, God's people, those that have been saved by grace through faith, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Are we saved by good works? No. But are we, are, are, we, are, we, are we saved to do good works? He said, yes, this is what he ordained us to walk this way. Walk in this. If he's saved us, if, he, if he's given us this new life, then he's ordained us to walk in this direction. He tells us in Ephesians, walk in love. Right? He says, walk in the light. He says, walk worthy of the vocation where we are called. He says, walk circumspectly, meaning paying attention, know what's, what's going on. Uh, and, and in each one of these letters, he talks about 
our walk. Our walk. The direction that we're going is important to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because our Christian life is, is about our fellowship with Him. That's why the walk is so important. In other words, we've got to be going His direction. In order to be in fellowship with Him, we've got to be going the way He's going. <laughs> we, gotta be walk- we don't just walk any which way we want and expect Him to follow us. We're following Him. So it is important the way that we walk. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 1. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 1. That's a long introduction. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 1. Furthermore, if you've been saved, you've been born again, you've experienced the grace of God in your life, this life-changing power of the Holy Spirit, then he says... We beseech you, brethren. I like those, the beseech you, brothers. When Paul says that, this is something he's saying. This is important. Something that we need to be doing, right? I beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that, that as ye have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God. There's a way that we... Is, now listen. I'm going to be careful here because... This is not a, a, a judgmental message. This is not look. This is not us telling everybody what they need to be doing. The, this is not us telling the world that they're going the wrong direction. You know what the world needs? Those that are unsaved and lost, they need to be saved. They need the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But can I say this? For those that have experienced the saving uh, uh, power of Jesus Christ and His bloodshed for us, there's a way we ought to walk. There's a way that we, we ought to walk. And, and this walk is one step at a time. That's how you walk, isn't it? One step at a time. A step of faith, right? And then the next step is a faith. And the next step of, is a faith. And before long, you put a bunch of steps of faith together. You know what you have? You have a walk. A walk of faith. We know that it's by faith that we please God, isn't it? It's by faith that we please God. I, I would say this, that our walk is the most practical part of our Christian life. It's just how we live. It's, it's how we live out our lives. That's our walk. Uh, to what you know is important. But how you walk is what everybody else sees. It's how you live, right? And sometimes there is even a disconnect between what you know and how you live. But what you know and how you walk. But he says, no, I want you to know the truth. And I want you to know Christ. And then I want you to walk with Him. To walk with Him. To fellowship with Him. And he says, this is how you walk. Follow along with me. We're in 1 Thessalonians 4. Go to verse 2. Well, I didn't finish that verse, I don't think. He says, uh, verse... I'll just read, read the first one again. Furthermore... Then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For we know, for ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. You know what God's will is for us? That we're sanctified. That we're set apart by His Spirit for His service. He says, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. That every one of you, every one of who? The believers, every one of the Christians, that every one of you should know how to possess His vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. That concupiscence is the lust or to covet after. An all unlawful uh, desire of sexual pleasures. He says that's not the right way. Verse 6. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter. Because that the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also have forewarned you and testified. 
For God hath not called us to uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth not men, but God, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. But as touching brotherly love, we need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed, ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more, and that ye study to be quiet, and to do your own business, and to work with your own hands, as we, look at this, commanded you, that ye may walk, there's the walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. I, I like where he says in verse 1 that, you, that we, as God's people, that we may abound more and more. Isn't it, isn't it great when we continue to grow? We should be continuing to grow, should we not? He says in verse 10 that you would increase more and more. Now, we are not under the law, but under grace. I think that we, over the last several weeks as we have studied uh, these letters that Paul wrote to these churches, I, I believe uh, that we have gone into great detail and great length to prove that uh, the law could not save, the law could not even change us into uh, the image of Christ, it could not change our hearts, it could not sanctify us, the law could not sanctify us, the law of Moses. But can I say this? Sometimes we could take the, that too far in the sense of grace. Can I, can I say this? Uh, kind of to bring a little balance to all that. I think I went into great detail on that when, I taught, when we taught on in Galatians. Right? But, but can I say this? That we as God's people, as Christians, have an obligation to the way that we walk. To the way that we live. The way that we possess our vessels, our bodies, the way, what we do with these. Once we say we're a Christian, again, we're not, we're not pointing at everybody else and saying, hey, everybody else is wrong. We're looking at ourselves. Those that have been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Those that have been saved and born again. There's a way that we ought to walk. And there, 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 there's a, there's a, there, sometimes we could, can say, well, we're not under the law. We don't have the commandments. We don't. I saw twice in that passage where it says commandments. The commandments of Jesus Christ. He says, I command you. Uh, in verse 2 and verse 11. And, and there still is. Can I say this? There still is a right and wrong. He says that He wants us to walk in holiness. He wants us to... to he's called us to holiness. We as God's people... As Christians are not called to live in uncleanness, but we're called to walk in, in the light. If we're to walk with Christ, you know how we're going to have to walk? We're going to have to walk in the light. We're going to have to walk with Him. And can I say this? That as we call ourselves Christians and followers of Christ, there are some things that we have to abstain from. There's some things that we're going to have to say, that's not for me. That's not for, that's not for me because I'm a Christian. He says, hey, you abstain from this fornication. Abstain from this uh, sexual impurity. He says, for those that are, are, are Gentiles, those that don't know God, those that don't know the Lord, they walk a different direction. But for those that, that name the name of Christ, there's some things that we have to abstain from. We have to abstain from coveting our brothers and sisters. We have to abstain from defrauding them and doing these certain things. We have to. He says, walk honestly in verse 12. Do you know it's important that we, as God's people who are Christians, that we, that we work? It's important that we do our own business that we, in some, some ways, you know, as you read that, he says, um, he says, verse 11, and you study to be quiet and do your own business and work with your own hands as we commanded you. This is godly. This is, this is, a, this is 
uh, a, this is part of our sanctification, is that uh, we learn to do our own work and to work our, put our head down, you know, roll your sleeves up and do what God's called you to do, to be able to provide for your own and to provide for those around. This is a good thing. He says, uh, this, we're not to be idle. There's danger in that. He says, don't be idle. And then he says, study to be quiet. That's a, that would be an interesting study, wouldn't it? He says, study to be quiet. You know, sometimes uh, we as humans are drawn to the drama. It'd be good if, if God's people could just stay out of the drama and do what we've got enough to do, what we're called to do. You know, he says, study to do, be quiet, do your own business. What, what a great testimony for a neighbor to say, boy, you know what they do? They just, mind, they just do their own business. They're hardworking folks. You know, they mind their own business. They don't cause trouble, no drama, no. Maybe if we gave our neighbor the gospel after a life like that, you know what they'd do? They'd stop and listen. He says, this is what God's people are supposed to be like. We're, there's some things that we just abstain from. Maybe the rest of the world does it. But we, we, were, we got saved. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. There's a different way of life. A different walk. Because we're God's people. Because we're Christians. He says that we walk in the light as He is in the light. Then we'll have fellowship with Him. If we'll walk the way He's walking, we'll be in fellowship with Him, right? Uh, I find it's interesting here that our walk is what pleases God. Our faith is what pleases God. Our walk is what pleases God. It's not necessarily what we know that pleases God. You know, he knows everything, so he's not impressed when we find something out. But you know what he is impressed with, I believe, or pleased with? Is that when our nature would typically go this way, by nature, our, our nature would typically go this way. But because we love Him, and because we want a fellowship with Him, and because the relationship, just like between a husband and wife, we say there's some things that we can't do. That I, I don't, my, my fellowship is too important with my Savior. That I, I'll abstain from this, and I'll abstain from that for Him. Amen. Because I love Him. Because I don't want the fellowship broken. Because I want to draw close... To him. There's, a, there's an example of this in, in the Bible, in the Old Testament. His name's Enoch. And the Bible says about Enoch in Genesis chapter 5, and Enoch walked with God. That's what it said. It says, and he walked with God. It says that he lived uh, to be 365 years. And there's a lot to study about that. That being, in one sense, a picture of the, the Gentile year and, and, and the Gentile church that's going to be translated, that's going to be raptured out, going to be taken out. That's what happened to Enoch. He was, he was taken up. He didn't die. It says that Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. I thought another thing about 365 is that's how many days of the year we're supposed to walk with God. Not just Sunday, but 365. Just walking with Him on Monday. Walking with Him on Tuesday. And talking to Him on Wednesday. And worshiping Him on Thursday. And asking Him for help on Friday. And just seeking Him, walking with God. This isn't a mystery. This, isn't, this is just trying to stay in fellowship with them. And there's some things that we would avoid and, and abstain from just to be in, and keep that relationship and fellowship with them. The Bible says, and turn here to Hebrews 11. I know you know this passage, but it's good to look at. But Enoch was able to walk with God. It says in Hebrews 11, in verse 5. By faith, Hebrews 11, 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he, what? Pleased God. How did he please God? He walked with him. 
But, with, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I, I would say this. The Christian life is, is a lot more practical than we think sometimes. It's just believing that he is. And then walking with him. Walking with him daily on the decisions one step at a time that we make. The steps that we make along the way. It's by faith that we please God. It's by faith that we walk with God. The Bible says there that he was taken up out of this world. You know, I find that's interesting about when Enoch was, was taken up. Like the rapture that we're looking for. Like the resurrection of the church that we're, we're looking for. Is that Enoch was the great-grandfather of Noah, if you read it out. And so the time, the times that Enoch lived were, were times of great wickedness in the world. The Bible says about those times, and God saw the wickedness of men was great on the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of the heart was evil continually. He, he says the earth was also corrupted before God. And the earth was filled with violence. That was the culture. That was the society that Enoch lived in. Uh, of an evil imaginations. Of corrupt, corruptness. Of violence. That was what he lived in. And somehow. Somehow in the midst of all that wickedness. Enoch walked with God. He just walked with God by faith. He, you know, I, I guarantee that when Enoch walked with God, he was very, there wasn't many doing what Enoch was doing. There was, everybody else was partaking. Enoch was abstaining. That's it. He was saying, some of this just can't do. No. Nope. You know, sometimes when you start talking about a message like I'm talking about now, like clean living, pure living, you know, sometimes people have this idea that that's old-fashioned. You know, that's the old-fashioned way of living. I got an argument with that. I feel like the, the old-fashioned way of living is in violence and wickedness. I think that throughout human history, that everybody typically has just, who didn't know God, they just walked in the way. You know, we're talking 4,000 years ago, and there was darkness and violence and trouble and corruption. The, the new way, the, the new way of living is to walk with God. That comes by a new life. That comes by a new spirit. That comes through God working in us. This is a whole new way of doing it. And, and, and there may be few that go in there. There may be few that are doing it that way. And maybe as the world gets farther away from the Lord, it may seem a little bit harder for us to do that. As we get closer, I believe, to just like as it got closer to the time of Noah, as we get closer to the Lord's return, uh, there could be times where uh, to walk with God seems so out of place compared to everyone else and what everybody else is doing and what everybody else is thinking. But we're still to do it. Because that's the way to go. That's the joy. This is, this is how it is. This church here was a persecuted church. I guarantee that when they walked this way in Thessalonica, there was a different way of walking. It was a different way of living when they were doing these things. And what's interesting here is as he tells us to walk in a way that pleases God, just like Enoch does, he goes into this passage of, of our future hope of the resurrection of the church. The rapture of the church. Follow along with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Again, exactly what Enoch was a picture of. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. He says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. There had been some of the believers that had died. And he says, hey, uh, he calls them asleep. He says, uh, and by the way, there's a good chance that they may have died uh, because of persecution. And he says, um, uh, we, we do sorrow. We're going to miss them. But we don't sorrow 
as those that have no hope, we will see them again. We will. For if we believe, there's the key. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself, he's not going to send an angel for this task. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain, that may be us, uh, shall be caught up together with the Lord, uh, or, excuse me, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then he says this, comfort, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another with these words. You know, the church at Thessalonica was going through troubles and persecution. They were going against the flow. They were going against the current. But you know what he says? Hey, you got a bright future. You got a great hope in Jesus Christ. He's coming back. He's coming back. And, and when he comes back, so shall we ever be with the Lord. The dead in Christ shall rise first, but we which are alive and remain, we're going to be caught up. With the Lord in the cloud, just like Enoch. Isn't that amazing? Well, like he just, Enoch just walked with God. And I picture it like this. He's just walking with God. And one day he just walks right into his presence. Isn't that wonderful? That's our hope. That's our hope. That's our future. The Lord's coming back. They were a church that was tempted of the tempter, the Bible says. This church was tempted of the tempter. And I believe that we as a church, no matter what times that we live in, there's always temptations. And we're always tempted of the tempter. But we have hope. We have a wonderful, bright future. And can I say this? We as God's people are called to walk in a way that's pleasing to God. You say, how do we do that? By faith. By faith. He says in Titus 2, in verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Today, in this time, in this place, this is how we're to walk. This is how we're to live. And then he says this in, in Titus 2, in verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we're looking for. Keeping that in mind, our future hope of the return of Jesus Christ. As we close, you say, uh, what's this message? uh, How's this going to affect me? We want God's word to affect us and to allow what was taught this morning and preached this morning and allow uh, this uh, passages, these passages from Thessalonians to change our hearts. Uh, Can I say this? We that have received this great gift of eternal life, this salvation through Jesus Christ. We've got to walk in a way that pleases God. Walk in a way that brings glory and honor to Him. You say, how do we do that? By our own self-will? No, by surrendering to Him. By having a heart that becomes good ground for the Word. Preparing a heart that is good ground for the Word. That we could receive it. Not only hear it, but then receive it. That, that when we hear the word, it's mixed with faith. You know, there's some things that may, may, you may read in the scripture that goes against everything that you've thought or, or even believed or been taught. You know what faith is? It's to believe it. It's truth. It's God's word mixed with faith. You know what will happen when God's word is mixed with faith in our heart? This is a guarantee. It will bring forth fruit. It will bring forth fruit fruit. After being born again, after you've received Christ as your Savior, and you know what we have to learn to do? We have to learn to walk. It's like a new child. We learn to walk. Hearing God's Word and doing it. And then you know what we do after we learn to walk? We keep walking. We keep walking all the way throughout our lives. Walking with God every day. The Christian life is that life of faith. It's, it's, it's living It's living it out, walking with the Lord, one step at a time, one step after another, believing God for this next step, and trusting God and hearing God's word. It is written. It is written. 
and seeking his word step by step, one day at a time, one choice at a time, 365 days a year, 365 days a year. We choose our direction by faith in God and obedience in his word, step by step. We go the way, go in fellowship with Him, walking with Him in the light, in obedience to Him through the Holy Spirit for our ministry, for our holiness, in prayer, seeking God. As Dan comes and leads us in a song of invitation, maybe, maybe the Lord has spoken to your heart about your walk, and you can talk to Him and say, Lord, I, I want to... I wanna, Walk with you. I want to fellowship with you. There's some things I've got to do to make some choices in my life. The tempter will trouble us, sure, but, but we have an anchor for the soul that will lead us and guide us, who's, who's steadfast. And remember this. The Lord himself will return. He's coming back. No matter what troubles, no matter what trials that we face, no matter what we're going through, remember the Lord's coming back. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's our future. Our future is an eternity with Him. What a wonderful future. What are we going to sing? As we stand and sing, page 61. If the Lord's spoken to your heart, though, you talk to the Lord.
Heavenly Father, God, we're thankful that uh, you sent the gospel to us. Lord, we're thankful for your salvation that you've freely given to us. Lord, and we're thankful for your word that guides us and leads us and fills us and powers us. Um, Lord, we pray for us as individuals, us as a church, Lord, that we would walk with you. Uh, Lord, that we would um, please you in the way that we walk and the way that we live our lives uh, drawing close to you. Lord, I pray that you would help us uh, to remember our, our future and, and, Lord, your return. As we look for it, as we await it, God, we are thankful for it. We're thankful for our church. We're thankful for each, each person that's here, Lord, today. And, Lord, we pray that you would just lead us and guide us throughout this week. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website, or you could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. Feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area.